People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashian season three, episode three recap. Hey, Joel. Hi, Em. Scott is back in a big way, Julie. I think if I was Scott, I would feel like the most validated person on planet Earth. Like here you have season two of the Kardashians where he is nowhere to be found. The number one complaint is where is Scott? Scott makes the show. We need Scott back. And then they bring him back season three in a major way. And not only did they bring him back after complaints, but God, is it working? No, it is really working. And the other thing that I was so tuned into this episode specifically was just how much fun Kim has around him. Like one of the first things she says in her confessional is that Scott always reminds her to have a sense of humor about everything. And it is so true. You know, he brings out this very playful side to her. That was the levity we were missing last season. And, you know, in a season where one of our major complaints was that we just weren't getting enough from them, the thing that we kind of were asking for in replacement of like, okay, if you're not going to give it to us, at least give us these moments of fun, like bring back that feeling of the old show if you're not going to give us what the new show was intending to do. What we're getting so far with season three, I feel like, is that old fun energy of Scott paired with a lot of our other complaints that were lacking in season two, such as their personal lives. Well, that's one of the things that I wanted to say, kind of going into this first scene where Kim and Scott are sitting down talking about her dating life, which is, you know, we're past the point of caring whether or not they're having a conversation for the point of it being filmed. Like at this point, we just know some interactions are being had because that makes good content. And I think at this point, we're honestly fine with it. But there's something about Kim and Scott specifically talking about this that actually feels more believable that this would really be the first time that they're having the conversation because it's not as though Scott is involved in you know every aspect of her daily life in the way that Chloe is, for example. Like it's not that she's going to sit down with Chloe and f- now first tell her about this experience she had dating in New York. I'm sure Chloe was on Facetime on the way back. Whereas it's actually very possible to me that Scott would first be being filmed in, and that these are some of the questions he would be asking her regardless. Again, I know it makes a great scene. And at this point, I'm so over caring whether or not it's like being set up for a reason. But there is something that to me, at least increases the authenticity of that. Totally. And that's kind of always the dynamic that Kim and Scott have had. If you remember, I think it was when Kim was having Psalm. And there's a scene where Kim is taking Scott through like a tour of the house and he, they go into this one room and he's like, I don't even know what this room is for. And she's like, it's a nursery. And he was like, wait, are you? And she's like, wait, we didn't tell you we're having another baby. Like it's coming soon. You know what I mean? Like they've always had that kind of like, oh, I forgot to fill you in relationship. Yes. And that's why, you know, this particular conversation, it's almost like Scott was playing the role of the viewer in a way. Right. And also something that we've been getting a lot of is it's been Kim, Chloe, and Scott as the three of them. It's really interesting just to get that one-on-one dynamic of Kim and Scott because they do have an amazing relationship and it's one that we've seen throughout the years. I mean, again, going back to where we were in our rewatch, we're with them in New York. And we're at the time where Kim is with Chris Humphreys living with Courtney and Scott, and they really developed this friendship during that time. And so we're still seeing that carry on now. But, and also, and I know we've said this before in previous seasons, even just of the Hulu show, 
There is a very specific way in which Scott views Kim that is different than the way he views anyone else in the family, maybe with the exception of Chris. You know, he really views her as kind of in a category of her own. It's just a really sweet thing to see. And I think, you know, this version, season three, Scott Disick, is what we really longed for in not only season one, but also season two. Yes. Okay, before we dive into the first scene, just want to do a rough timeline to make sure we're all on the same page here. So New York Fashion Week was September 9th to September 14th. Courtney was on the Today Show September 12th. And then in terms of this conversation that Kim is about to have with Scott, it seems like, and we could be off, but it seems like this was slightly after the rest of the timeline based on her comment about Cher, because that came out around October, November. And the story she's talking about with Pete, which we'll get into, was also around October. So we're in, let's say, the September, October 2022 range in terms of when this episode was filmed. You know what's funny in terms of like the Scott being validated thing? It's like, here's this entire episode that the entire rest of it takes place very chronologically in the same time frame. It's just this one Scott scene that is out of the time frame. And even next week, like we're in Milan, we're following the exact same time frame. But it's like Scott is so important now to the show. And like the scenes with Scott are now so wanted and so desired that they're going to throw one in that's not even in the right time. I mean, when he's given us a Sex in the City reference within the first five minutes, <laughs> fuck chronological. I will take Scott any day, anytime I can get him. I know. <laughs> That's literally how I feel like, Alex, I'll take uh, Scott to 500, please. So one of the first things that he says to Kim, which again, man of the people here is, I just haven't seen you out on any dates or anything. And she's like, well, you know, it's hard because what do first dates look like? And they're kind of talking about the logistics of her going on a first date, which before we get into any detail she's about to give us here, that is a conversation you and I have had countless times of just like simply forget about the person, forget about who we could envision her with. How does this even look? No, obviously that was my first thought. I'm like, we have spent so much time having this exact conversation that you guys are having right now. But you know what's interesting about it is like, obviously it's not the same thing, but if you've ever listened to Prince Harry talk about dating Meghan Markle and what that was like in the beginning, it's a very similar dynamic in terms of the weirdness of being inside and kind of being behind closed doors and not really being able to go out on a date without being spotted. And then once the date is spotted, it's automatically public. Like it's interesting that there is a very stark comparison there between their Royal family and ours. Well, yeah, I mean, we're talking about some of the most famous people in the entire world. And one of the things she's saying here to Scott is when you're seen with someone and it's not working out, you almost want to try and make it last a little longer because you're so embarrassed. And she says in her confessional that one of the things she's learned from her last relationship, which she refers to it as her last relationship, of course, we know she's talking about Pete, is that the media almost made her feel like she was in this very serious relationship very quickly. And now she kind of just wants to sneak around a little bit, which that specific POV is not one I had thought about of when you are the celebrity whose relationship is being so publicized and at times being made into something that it's really not, that there's a side to it where you then start to believe that and maybe not believe it, but you then start to feed into it because it seems to be what the quote public wants. And I just think that is such an interesting angle to consider for a moment because that's so not relatable to your average person. And honestly, forget about your average person, even your average celebrity. Like not every celebrity relationship is getting the kind of attention that Kim and Pete were. Yes. And what's really interesting, and I honestly hadn't considered this until I think just now, is that point about the media kind of making things more serious is such an interesting point because I feel like as the public, once a celebrity relationship, especially a new one, is in the media, I feel like our automatic assumption is that They had been dating for a while and now it's being brought to us. So I never assume like a celebrity's first spotting, for example, like if you're looking at a timeline, it's like first spotted holding hands at like the Brentwood Country Mart, November, 2022. Like in my head, I'm adding on three months to what they've already been dating for before they brought it to us. And it's so interesting to hear Kim say like, no, this could be a thing where like, it's right off the bat. We've only been dating for a couple of weeks. We've only gone out two or three times. And like, we're kind of just, going through the motions of what a normal relationship would be. We just happen to be under the microscope of a camera. And so like now everybody thinks it's more serious than it is. Right. And the other thing that I was thinking about, which I'm not saying to put too much emphasis on this point, but as she's talking about, you know, the idea of dating behind closed doors or having photos being taken, of course, 
there's a million ways around that, meaning there are back entrances, there's private rooms, there's secret back rooms, whatever you want to call it. But also when she says behind closed doors, sometimes those dates really are in someone's home, you know, in this very intimate setting. And something I hadn't really considered until she's talking about this is, is it ever possible that in these super A-list, forget about relationships, but courtships in the very beginning stages when you're taking these measures in order to maintain privacy, is it ever possible that the actual setting contributes to the sped up nature? Because all of a sudden it's the two of you in this very, very intimate one-on-one room that like typically wouldn't be a first, second, third, or fourth date, but because you were going to these lengths, it automatically makes you feel that it's more serious than it is, which I know in the scheme of things is like not the most relevant point, but my mind did kind of go there a little. Well, also, like, yes, that, but also forget about like the intimacy of the room or whatever they're in, like the sheer act of if you're doing this at your home, that is automatically one of the most intimate things that you can do, especially as a celebrity, like you have now brought somebody into your safest place. And so that is something that is probably going to progress a relationship a little bit. I mean, like for something that you probably wouldn't have done until like a couple of weeks into dating, like bringing somebody to your house, that is now first, second, third date material. And so you're ripping off a bandaid pretty quickly. And I do think that there's an aspect of celebrity relationships that, that move just so quickly because of the setting they're in. And especially when you're a celebrity dating another celebrity, there's an automatic shared connection of knowing what the other person's world is like. Well, I think that that's so much. And we have this conversation all the time, you know, why is Hollywood such an incestuous place? And I think a lot of people would say it's because of almost the pre-vetted nature that anyone in your circle already is. You know, it's an implied secrecy. It's an implied confidentiality. Right. And if you're going back to Kim and Pete's relationship, for example, like, you know, from the time they were first dating, Kim was leaps and bounds famous above what Pete was. But Pete had an understanding of the way that the media worked and an obsession with his relationship that was actually something that Kim couldn't necessarily relate to because she had been in a relationship for so long. She had been in a marriage for so long. And so she didn't have that experience of being as famous as she is in this current iteration of life while also dating. She dated Kanye when the level of fame was incomparable. And so she's never had to deal with that. So here was Kim who was undoubtedly more famous than Pete, but here's Pete with this experience that Kim didn't necessarily have yet. And so they connected so much quicker, I think, than they normally would have because that shared experience of fame, Pete with his dating life and Kim with everything else, it would allow them to accelerate their relationship. Yeah. And, you know, when she's talking to Scott here about, you know, I kind of just don't want to date one person. And he's like, you should date one person when you find that person. Have you not watched Sex in the City? Those bitches were in the streets. They were catching sausage all over town. <laughs> it's like, I just, it just felt very well-timed with the Kim Cattrall cameo announcement. I'm I'm just so happy he's back. Like these, this is what we were missing. We went through a whole season, season two, without any Scott one-liners. You realize that? I do realize that. And I'm so happy for all of our sakes that that's now a thing of the past. But this next part is really interesting when she's saying to Scott that, you know, her friends wanted her to meet someone. So she's in New York and she goes to this members only club where her spot is kind of this private room downstairs. And she's saying that the reaction on the internet is, you know, Kim reconnects with Pete. And Scott's like, was he there? And she's like, no, but it's the place that I would go to with him and have my secret dinners. And he's probably like, oh, I know what she's up to. Which, if you go back to October last year, there's all these headlines, for example, from OK Magazine, rekindling romance, Kim Kardashian spotted sneaking out of New York Hotel after visiting with Pete Davidson, which is like never once a perspective that I have thought of. Pete reading a headline about Kim and knowing that she's basically pulling the same moves she pulled with him on a new guy. Okay. This is a prime example of like insight that is not groundbreaking. It's nothing that's like earth shattering. We can't believe we got this, but it's the little behind the scenes that we would have never gotten anyway. Because that moment, I remember those headlines coming out and there was a little bit of confusion about whether she was going to Staten Island, whether she was leaving his apartment building. Like there was a lot of rumors flying around. They were still talking. I remember thinking she had posted flowers and they were maybe ones from him. Like that was a thing for a second there that like they were maybe getting back together. And so to hear her perspective of 
it wasn't even remotely a thing. It was just the headlines running with something because she was at a spot that they used to go to, or at least her interpretation of why headlines were running was because of that was so fascinating to me. But also, this is a prime example to go back to their conversation from last week about, you know, what fans want to see more of. This isn't really divulging much of her personal information. She's making a comment about a headline that we all saw. And she's just adding the additional perspective of what she thinks Pete was maybe thinking. Like, it's such a small example of something that they can do and, and you know, are doing in this one conversation that, at least to me, is prime content. Yeah, to me too. So Scott then starts to refer to this mystery guy as Fred. And he's like, so does he meet the standards? She's like, oh, he so meets the standards. And it then cuts to Kim in her confessional texting on her phone. And the producer says, that's a lot of smiling, young lady. Is that Fred? To which Kim says, yes. And the producer says, two years, my ass. Kim's like, two years, what? And the producer goes, for you to be single. And Kim's like, no, 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 I'm going to be, I'm going to be. Which so much to dive into here, even before we get into her next conversation with Scott. Here's my thing. I have two takeaways from this. One, I have to fucking know who Fred is. Please DM us your guesses as to who Fred could be. I guess based on two things, the timeline of October 2022 and the fact that when they went out, it was in New York. Could be a New York celeb, could be a New York person, just something to think about. And two, this is such a small takeaway from it, but I love how comfortable the producers are with them. Like it is such, they always talk about it. Like Paxi has been in their lives for so long. And all of these people were the same people that were, you know, from keeping up the Kardashians and they have such a relationship with them. But when you hear them call Kim young lady and like accuse her of of dating earlier and not going on like the being single timeline that she said she was going to be on, like that is an unmatched level of comfort to have with Kim Kardashian. Well, right. It's like Kim is being called out for being the most classic meme, which is like, there's nothing more embarrassing than when someone catches you smiling hard at your phone. And it's like, as the now viral TikTok sound goes, who's got you smiling like that? Like that is the producer asking Kim Kardashian, who's got you smiling like that? I can't believe that that experience is so universal that even Kim is not only sitting, looking at her phone, smiling like a little loser, like it's such a, like a little losery thing to do to smile at your phone like that, but then also having to have the reaction of being caught doing it. Listen, that has happened to every single one of us. I do not think there is anyone that is immune to that. Whether or not you've been called out on it, that's a separate thing, but everyone has at least once caught themselves walking down the street, being in your parked car in the Target parking lot, whatever it is, and you know, being jolted back to reality of like, wow, I am down bad. I know. I, I, you know what? You know? <laughs> I can't even, I can't even be mad at that. Like I, I can't be mad at that happening. <laughs> you do that to me all the time. <laughs> Wait, also as a side, when Scott says, does he meet the standards? And Kim's like, oh, he so meets the standards. First of all, automatic a million questions. Outline for me, what are the standards? Well, we have already seen the preview for a clip where Kim is going down and I think reading it off a notes app in her phone of like all of the things that she's looking for and like a laundry list of things going and going and going. So no, Scott didn't ask her in that moment, but that is an answer that we're going to get. I know it is something I'm really looking forward to, especially because... I don't think she would have had that same ability to even make a list like this if she was trying to craft that immediately post Kanye. You know, having been in a relationship post-divorce, I think allowed her to even pinpoint exactly what she's looking for. Because with Pete, it wasn't like she had this bulleted list and he came along and she realized he fit the bill. You know, that was kind of a meeting by chance because they just so happened to have a spark when they kissed in an Aladdin SNL scene. You know, I think going off of her relationship with Pete and maybe a couple of other experiences, she is in a totally different place to be able to think clearly what she may want. I mean, we were literally talking about that today, just in terms of dating in in the regular world, not the celebrity world, but like every single date you have, every single experience you have, like you take something from that and you apply it to the next thing. And Kim is in such a unique position where she can take all of the experiences she's had and all of the dates that she's had and all of the guys that she's now talking to or being introduced to. And she has the time to kind of 
craft that perfect person that she's looking for. You know, one of the things that we were talking about with Kim in terms of the Chris Humphreys thing is that the reason she ended up in this relationship with him and she ended up marrying him is because she so badly wanted to move on to that next chapter of her life. She saw her sisters getting married, having kids. She wanted that too. And so there was a rush there. And then when Kanye came along, I mean, she had just gotten divorced. She didn't have kids with Chris Humphreys. And so there was still that same sense of a rush to have that life that she didn't accomplish with Chris. She has the gift of time on her side now. Like she can take her time and really figure out exactly what she wants and take a little piece of everything that she's had in order to get that. That was literally, when I tell you, literally the exact point that I was about to make. I was going to say, yeah, no, I was going to say like specifically us watching, you know, Courtney and Kim take New York where she's newly married to Chris and about to be divorced to him. Not only did she never make a list about exactly what she wanted, she was just so focused on getting married, but it's not like she was making a list and then Kanye happened to fit that exactly. Kanye kind of just swooped in. She is exactly, she's never, ever really had the time to, I don't want to say to be picky because I'm not saying that Kim has settled in the past, but she's just never approached dating in this way. I don't think ever forget about in the Chris Humphreys, the Kanye, even before that, this is a totally different era of her life and who she is and what she knows that she brings to a relationship is just a whole other universe than anything we've dealt with previously. Absolutely. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, so we now go back to Scott and Kim's conversation where Scott says to her, we got to find you your Mr. Big and hope he doesn't die on a bike one day. I'd love to see you with like an older Italian businessman. And Kim goes older. And she's saying she doesn't really like the older thing, but she doesn't really like much of the younger thing either. And she then asks Scott if he's dying over Cher and AE, which if you remember, that was a relationship that started in October of last year. It ended in May of this year. And that's Cher, who's 76 years old. Alexander Edwards, known as AE, who's 37 years old. He's the VP of A&R at Def Jam and also 
Amber Rose's ex, which obviously Kim was bringing this up because Scott made the comment about, you know, the age difference in relationships. But it was also for me, at least, it is so rare that we get Kim to comment on other pop culture stories. I feel like it's something she does very rarely. And so there was just something kind of exciting about that, especially because, you know, we know how she feels about Cher. That's one of her greatest idols. It was almost like, (laughs) I hate using this word, but it was almost like meta hearing her talk about celebrity gossip. It's like, wait, what are you doing? Like, I know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so wait, you're trying to come for our jobs? Didn't you feel like that for a second? You know what I felt like? I felt like even famous people love famous people. Love famous people? Not you seamlessly mentioning our slogan, which I got to tell you, I fucking love that that's our slogan. I know we really haven't done much with it other than having it in our bio and (laughs) doing a very limited merch run, but I really do love it because it's so true. Even famous people love famous people. There was something about Kim talking about Cher and the way that we would talk about Cher or the way that we would talk about Kim or the way we would talk about any celebrity news over dinner with our friend where I was like, wow, like, this is a glimpse into what celebrities also do in their own time. Like, you know that any celebrity that's sitting at dinner is bringing up some other celebrity's news story in the same way that we are. Right. Like how many people do you think were pulling up that article of Cara Delevingne and Ashley Benson when they were walking into Cara's house with the sex swing? Like that was a, that was a dinner conversation. I think about Kim and Pete's relationship. How yeah, many people oh. were sitting at dinner? How many celebrities were sitting at dinner passing around their phone going, do you think this is real? Can you can you text somebody and find out? I have to know if this is real. Basically, in conclusion, we need to be sending Kim an even famous people love famous people baseball hat with a note referencing this conversation, which is something we can love do it. after the fact. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. So Scott's saying, absolutely, it's the best thing I've ever seen. And Kim is saying that there was a report that Cher and AE were making out at a party. And Scott's like, yeah, I'm sure that she was because she's killing it still. And Kim's like, I don't know. I would just feel so insecure. And he's like, well, maybe she's just secure. Maybe she has the lights off. And Kim's like, I don't know. I pretty much have the lights off now. And he's like, what? And she's saying in her confessional that it's weird because she'll walk out on a photo shoot with a hundred people working on set. She'll walk out in a thong. But if she's in the bedroom with someone, she's like, don't look at me, turn the lights off. Which again, prime example of like the version that someone is, specifically someone this famous to the world can be very different than who they are behind closed doors in certain aspects. But it's just, it's to hear her say that I was like, ain't no way. If I'm Kim, I'm fucking under fluorescence. It is just the perfect illustration of the point that like, you really never know how someone feels not only about themselves, but also what they are like in that situation. Because that is the last thing I would have ever expected her to say or be like. I know that really took me by surprise too. But you know what? This is another example of exactly what I was saying before in terms of getting just a little bit of insight. Like you left this scene with Kim and Scott feeling like you knew Kim just a little bit better. Right. And I feel like the thing with the Kardashians is we are 23 seasons in with them. So typically when we're getting something quote new, it's that we're getting new information that is more behind the scenes about an event either that we saw go down in real time. And now we're getting what was going on at the time or information about something that we never knew went down. For example, here she is talking about, you know, dating this mystery guy. We didn't even know that that was happening at the time, but it's rare that we learn something kind of new about their personality. I'm not saying never, but specifically with Kim and Chloe, it's like, we know them pretty well. So for Kim to kind of mention this like shyness that she has in the bedroom, I don't know, as the viewer, there was something exhilarating about that. And also a prime example of like creating intimacy around a conversation that they would consider, you know, relatively harmless. I think Kim and Chloe do that better than anybody though. They they do sneak little pieces of things into conversation in a very subtle way, but you do leave with that exact same feeling more often than with anybody else. Yeah, I I fully agree with that. And again, let us not forget, you know, if we're looking at what's the difference here, it's God bringing that out of her. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. 
So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Okay, obviously we're not going to spend as long in every other scene as we did that Kim and Scott one. It just, that felt like it needed some serious attention. I honestly thought that if we had done only that scene and then the scene with Scott, Kim and North, I don't even think anyone would have noticed. I don't think so either. But one thing I did want to mention from this scene with Courtney, where she's talking about Lemmy and doing the press shoot is Simon bringing up when Courtney was on ET Australia and she just stopped responding, which that is a prime example of them mentioning some of the most iconic moments, not only from the show, but also from press that, you know, have gone viral and have really become such memes. Like that is something that goes viral on TikTok every other month. And so for her to acknowledge that it, it, it just makes you feel seen as a viewer for so many years and as a Kardashian fan. You know what's funny also? Trying to differentiate between, like, from their point of view, what's iconic because they remember it and what's iconic because the internet remembered it. Like, I wonder if that was a thing where if it didn't go as viral on TikTok as it has gone over and over again, if that's something Courtney would be like, oh my God, I completely forgot that I did that. Or if it's something where she would be like, yeah, I would, I could never forget doing that. I really think specifically with this example that her remembering it so vividly is a direct result of how cemented it is in pop culture because that's not like so out of the norm for Courtney. She kind of does shit like that. You know, I think to her, that's just another day. Whereas the internet took that and ran with it in a very positive way because it was just like objectively hilarious. And I think Courtney, maybe more than any of them, really gets off on sound bites or moments of her being memed. I mean, you know, that's my biggest thing with Courtney. I think that I want to, I, I want to actually save that conversation for the fight with, with Kim and Courtney. Cause I think it actually plays into that whole thing in terms of the way that the public views her and like using that almost as fuel. And I think it's a really interesting conversation, but yes, that is one of the things that we've spoken about where I think so much of Courtney's confidence Yes, comes from her relationship with Travis. Yes, comes from a lot of the work she's done on herself. But I think a lot of it comes from the way that she has now seen herself represented in TikToks and memes and little sound bites like that. Yes, and I agree with you. We'll save that conversation for when we really deep dive that. But I obviously have a million thoughts. Anything Kim Courtney like could be its own episode. I cannot wait for that fight. Like every single time, I'm like, okay, let's get this Dolce and Gabbana show over with because we got shit to get to. But I will say, I will say, as much as I'm excited to get there, watching the buildup is so important for understanding the fight in terms of what Courtney reacted to, what Courtney knew beforehand, what Courtney, like, or what Kim thought, what Kim was saying in her confessionals, like all of that is going to be so interesting to go back on and analyze once we're actually at that point. 
Yeah, very much so. Okay, so next scene, this is when Chloe is with the baby and Chris kind of comes over. And two important things to discuss here. The first is Chloe kind of clarifying her relationship status with Tristan, and then also just continuing to be really vulnerable about the struggles she's found in connecting with the baby. And when Chris is asking her what's going on with Tristan, she's like, listen, we get along great. We have a good friendship kind of relationship. I'll put anything aside for the kids, but I don't need to be holding on to this. It's not something that I need to punish him for because I'm not really getting back with him. And what she says in her confessional is, these boundaries are so important to put into place with Tristan because we've done this song and dance a handful of times already. I've gotten back with him after a cheating scandal. So I don't know if Tristan is under the impression, oh, wow, okay, let's just ride this out and eventually she'll get back with me. I get why he would think that. So it's my job to set boundaries that my actions show otherwise. Which, listen, I know there are a lot of people that are highly skeptical about their relationship status. And I know that you and I still maintain the fact that they are not together. And it's not that I needed additional confirmation, but hearing her say this was soothing. Like that is the word that I would use to describe this confessional. It was like music to my ears. So I actually didn't entirely feel that way. Like, don't get me wrong. There's no part of me that left this confessional feeling like there's wiggle room for them to get back together or that it's something that Chloe wants or these rumors could be true. Like, not at all. Like they are 100% separated. They're not getting back together. Like no shot. However, Listening to Chloe speak about the boundaries that she has in place with Tristan and the reason that she has to have those boundaries is because she knows that from his point of view, like, of course, he thinks that he could just act the same way and get her back. And, you know, it's happened time and time again. Like, I I was very appreciative of the honesty she gave there. What I wanted to hear Chloe say is like, Tristan hurt me on a level that is so deep. I can't forgive him for that. Like I can move on. I can have this great co-parenting and great friendship relationship with him for the sake of the kids. And we only exist in the capacity of the kids, but like I needed to be known that like he hurt me so deeply. And that's why these boundaries are in place. Not because I don't want to give him any ideas. Listen, I mean, she was just being honest, so there's no right or wrong, but I think she was effectively making the same point. I mean, I didn't take what she was saying as, setting those boundaries only for his benefit and to make sure that he understands what's going on. I actually think what she was saying and how she says in the next line, you know, it's really easy to fall back into those habits of, hey, let's watch a game or this and that. And she's like, I can't do that. It has to be all about the kids. I can't let those old habits just easily come into my life because it's not what I want. Which to me, I kind of interpreted as her saying, listen, yeah, I'm setting the boundaries so that he knows, but also it's important that he knows so that he acts accordingly so that I don't fall back. You know, I think that she is aware on some level that there is a world in which she kind of lets her guard down that it's possible he could persuade her a now third time. Like, I I, I didn't, I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. I guess I just- But we're now saying the same thing in the sense of like, she's saying those boundaries as a way to like hold herself accountable also in addition to him. But instead of being like, I don't need these boundaries to hold me accountable anymore. Like what he did holds me accountable. But I think that she is being honest about the extent of his persuasion slash manipulation. Totally. And she's not in a place, I think, where she is entirely healed from that to be able to engage in that behavior and know that she could 100% trust herself and trust him that it wouldn't go back. I agree with you. It's not ideal, of course, but I can appreciate her honesty in that. Oh, 100%. And I guess it's not necessarily like when I worded at the beginning about like what I would have wanted her to say. It's not necessarily that. It's that I know the way that the internet reacts to her and her relationship with Tristan, and they are constantly in a position of wanting to see her come down harder on him. It, it, to, you know, like to have that, that insurance and that guarantee that they are just never going to get back together. And so that was a confessional where if I was somebody who was skeptical of them being together, I would feel like, oh, this is totally going to happen again. I don't feel that way personally as me, but I think if I was already skeptical and I was just listening to the way that she was setting boundaries as a way to almost hold both of them accountable, but not like his actions and what he did and how badly he hurt her, like the bottom line, nothing can ever happen because of that. I would have felt a little like, not that she's leaving wiggle room, but her tone leaves like a little bit there. Do you get what I'm saying? I get exactly what you're saying, I guess. And you're right, because listen, I think we both feel 
very kind of protective over Chloe and specifically, honestly, I would go as far as to say the abuse that she can take from the internet. But I guess I am viewing what she's saying from the perspective of someone who like really has a lot of faith in her that that is not going to happen. So yeah, I'm I'm very much aligned with you and I can completely understand that perspective if I'm someone who already feels very, very skeptical about it. But I guess I'm just looking at it from the place of, you know what? This is better off than the alternative. And I think we still have a ways to go in terms of her healing journey. And in this current moment, that's the best that she can do. And like, that's just going to have to be okay for this moment. I mean, listen, one thing about Chloe, she is incredibly, incredibly honest. This whole scene was so honest. The thing with Tristan and the boundaries, the way that she is talking about connecting with the baby and the surrogacy journey, like her honesty is something that I don't think anybody else in the family even comes close to. And so the last thing I'm ever going to do is fault her for it. I just, I, I think it's that Chloe money thing that we always talk about where like people post those old pictures of Chloe and they're like, this version of Chloe would have destroyed Tristan. It's like, sometimes I do want to see that version of her pop out a little bit. This like keeps me up at night. I'm not even kidding. Not really the Tristan of it all necessarily, but just the fact, even when they're talking about her in the scene with Courtney, Kendall, and Chris when they're at New York Fashion Week. Like, I don't want to use the term, the fact that she's become a shell of herself because I don't think she has. It's it's just, she's so traumatized and it impacts her in every aspect of her life. And while I have so much respect for her, for the strength and resilience that she continues to show and the way that she shows up for everyone around her, like, you know, that is definitely something that should be celebrated. It's just, again, as someone who like feels as though we've grown up with her, you just want her to show up for herself in that way. And it's, forget about frustrating. It's just very saddening to witness kind of clearly what goes on in her inner monologue. It's, it's, not to like get dark on it because I think, you know, she has a happy, beautiful life, but there is some darkness there and it's really upsetting. Like she's the last person that deserves that. I mean, and even she says that in her confessional when she is talking about the struggles with connecting with the baby and talking to Chris about it and that struggle to feel okay with that and the guilt that she feels where she says in confessional, I am so nice to everybody else. I never have an issue with that. It's never something that I struggle with. I just can't be like that to myself. Is she in therapy? I don't know. Because I I know Courtney talks about Not it. Not that she's mentioned. Right. Courtney talks about it. Kendall talks about it. But she, she, I mean, I could be wrong. I absolutely could be forgetting something. I just feel like at least recently she hasn't mentioned it. And not saying that therapy is the end all be all, but I really do feel as though she kind of needs that space to just freely emote. Because there, I, I listen, from what she said, not to say she doesn't rely on her family, but there is definitely a part of her that feels any ounce of expressing what's going on in her mind is a burden. And like, you simply don't feel that way when you are paying someone to listen to you. It's just different, no matter how close of a relationship you have with a family member. I, I also think there's a part of Chloe that's really scared to allow herself to go there fully. Yeah. Are you kidding? Of course, for, you know, really getting to the root of it and what could potentially come out. And I think there's certainly safety in keeping that at arm's length. It's just, you know for how long? Like it's whatever. We don't, we don't need to go down this path. I didn't mean to get so uh, intense so early on. It's just, I feel about her. Like I would feel about a very, very close friend, you know? And it's just, it's a little bit hard to watch. I know that we're not alone in that. A, a lot of people feel that way. I know. I know. Also just, to, you know, to kind of tie this conversation in a bow, basically what she's saying to Chris here is that, yeah, it has been a challenge for her to connect with the baby. You know, with True, maybe it took a few days, whereas here it's taken a few months and it's something she's, again, very, very honest about. And you see the way that Chris is kind of handling it. You know, she is just affirming the connection and I think constantly trying to build Chloe up. But listen, you know, if you just want to look at it strictly from a shared experience perspective, Chris has never had a surrogate. She's had a lot of children. She knows what it's like to be a mom. She knows Chloe maybe better than anyone does, but she cannot relate to that experience of surrogacy. And I think that it's something Chloe is feeling really isolated in because even with Kim, who did have that experience, it went a very, very different way. And of course, you know, the thing that can't be ignored here, and again, I am not saying that this would not have been the case regardless. I think a lot of people experience this, but the circumstances with Tristan 
that were going on at the time, of course, contributed. I mean, she's the first one to say it was one of the most traumatic times of her life. And she pretty much had to force herself into forgetting that she had a child on the way in order to get through the days. So it's not only that she didn't have the bodily reminder of it, she was actively putting it out of her mind in order to survive, basically. It's such an incredibly unique experience. Like, you know what you were saying the other day on the, on the podcast about Taylor Swift and Maddie Hill? You were like, you know that audio that's like, if I had two nickels, like, it would be crazy that it happened twice. Like, I can't even believe it happened once. Like, the way that I feel about Chloe is, I can't believe I have two nickels. Like, I can't believe that you had the experience of welcoming a child both times into this world under the circumstances of a cheating scandal to the point where you can compare bringing in a child that you carried for nine months with a cheating scandal versus a child you had a surrogacy with a cheating scandal. Like, what an incredibly unique experience to be able to analyze both of those experiences. I know, and I wish more than anything she had zero fucking nickels. It's so upsetting. But I have to say, it's so honest, though. Like, it, it really is. For Chloe, who has been so berated by the media and has to, I mean, we basically saw her live her life in fear of leaving her house last season. For her to open up about something so honest, but open herself up to an incredible amount of criticism potentially for sharing that, like, I really, really like respect that because I do think there's a lot of people that struggle with connecting in the beginning and whether it's a surrogate or not a surrogate. Like, I think that the idea of not connecting with your own child right away is probably one of the most isolating feelings that you can feel because you probably feel like you are literally the only person on the planet feeling this way. So here's Khloe Kardashian on TV, whether it's a surrogate or situation or not. And like that feeling of, of, of not necessarily connecting right away is like, at least one person out there is like, wow, I feel significantly less alone. Yes. And I really have a lot of respect for sharing that so openly. I truly do. Okay. So I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pink screens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry Family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pants. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliayi was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Okay, kind of jumping around here, we have Kendall in New York for Fashion Week, which the most noteworthy moment from this scene is just her saying that she feels as though Kylie is Chris's favorite, which is a conversation that comes up constantly. And I think we always go back and forth between Kim and Kylie, but it is definitely the consensus among the kids that Kylie's the favorite. I mean, and then it cuts to the scene where <laughs> Kylie and Chris are on James Corden on the lie detector. And Chris answers like so quickly and James cannot believe how quickly she answered that question. But I mean, listen, it was Kim for a while. Now it's Kylie, but it is funny the way that Courtney loves her catchphrases and loves the way that the internet loves them. Nobody, nobody loves them as much as Chris does. 
Chris took that favorite child thing that everybody on the internet rallied around and fucking ran with it to the point where like, the reason that came up is because she was just casually hanging up the phone with Kendall and was like, you're my favorite. And Kendall's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, so we get a brief moment of Kim at the Dolce shoot where she's saying in her confessional, you know, I am a little worried about Courtney just because Dolce was really close to her wedding and I kind of wanted them to have their moment. I just wish there was more time that could pass before I could really take this opportunity which we put a pin in that because obviously much more on this, I believe in next episode, but we then go to Courtney in New York. And again, nothing, you know, overwhelmingly necessary to mention here. Although I will never get tired of seeing the behind the scenes of them on press days, no matter what they are promoting. It's no different than seeing Chloe in the dressing room at James Corden, seeing Kim at Nas, whatever it is. I'm always curious what it is like those few minutes before they go out on stage. Yeah, like it is weird watching them still have nerves after this many years. Even Courtney, like I understand why she's nervous and I understand why it's hitting her a little bit harder than maybe some of the other ones get hit with before their their uh, their interviews and their press. But still, even seeing her get nervous like caught me off guard a little bit. Well, there's an aspect to it that's very humanizing. And the other thing I actually wanted to mention is when they're back in the hotel room and it's Courtney, Kendall, and Chris, and they're one talking about Chloe and, you know, all expressing their concerns about what's going on with her. But also, you know, both Kendall and Courtney are citing things they talked about in therapy where basically they got some of their qualities from Chris in terms of being a little bit controlling or being a perfectionist, whatever you want to call it. And Chris and her confessional is kind of acknowledging that, you know, she's always blamed for everything, which this was a very lighthearted conversation, generally speaking, and there's no reason to dive more deep into it. However, it would be remiss for us not to at least mention that it, to your average person watching this, it's a throwaway comment. To someone who has been watching the show for years and years, it's an anecdote that kind of illustrates Chris's acknowledgement that, you know, Courtney, to some extent, blames her for some things, which again, no reason to dive so deep into this here. It's the conversation that both Kendall and Courtney are equally having. It's just... I don't know if you felt the same way, but that's initially where my mind kind of went. Okay, so I did, like completely felt that way. And so that comment's interesting for two reasons. One, that which we're not going to get into and, and deep dive on that whole thing, but we've already spoken about that many times in the past. But it's also additionally interesting considering the next scene where it's the Kim, Scott, and North scene. And Kim is saying to Scott, you know, something that makes her sad is that she feels like, and it's something that Chris has been speaking about recently, that Chris has all of this guilt about like, did I make them too big almost? Like, did I give them this huge life where there are too many lows of, of being this famous? Like I blew them up into something that they couldn't necessarily handle. And it's a guilt that's been sitting on her. So this concept of like, well, everything's my fault. I think that for Chris, there was a lot of truth behind how she was feeling about that comment, because I think everything that has kind of gone wrong in certain areas of their life as a result of fame, Chris blames herself for. Yes, she can also take the credit of the things that have gone right, but I think the things that have gone wrong and the pressure and the scrutiny feels a little bit more magnified to her right now. That was like one of the more fascinating moments from this episode. And honestly, from this season thus far, that conversation between Kim and Scott, which, you know, what was interesting about it is that it was honestly a pretty serious conversation that was happening, which was juxtaposed with a very silly plot line of North dressing her up in makeup to prank Chicago. But there was a lot of substance to what was being mentioned here. I mean, Kim is basically acknowledging that Chris carries guilt with her based on seeing the hardships that they go through and knowing that part of the reason the hardships can be so hard, even though life can be so great, is because of, you know, just how omnipresent they are. And like, I hadn't really heard her express that before. No, to me, that was new too. Well, what what it then goes into the conversation of, which isn't anything new, is this feeling that Kim has of like, but I can handle it. Like, I, I even if, you know, her guilt extends to my relationship with Kanye and everything that I have to deal with now as a result of that, which I think a lot of what Chris is saying does have to do with that. Kim's like, but I can handle it. I can handle anything. You throw anything at me, I can handle it. And Scott's like, yeah, I feel like you're never really down or depressed. Like, have you ever had that experience before? And Kim's like, no, I, she's like, I haven't. I've always had this understanding of like, things just keep going. And she's talking about 
when her dad died, it was like her immediate reaction of being like, okay, I'm going to talk at the funeral. Like we are now having to be adults because our dad left us. And like, that is now going to catapult us into this next part of our lives. And like how everything that she does in life is just this concept of like, okay, but now we're just going to keep going. Like the bad thing happens. We just keep going. It is a a crazy thing that happens. Like when a parent, I know it's a totally different situation because obviously so much of theirs is intertwined with the fame, but it's like, even honestly, and I've said this to you before, the concept of having to eulogize your parent, specifically in the Jewish religion, like within 24 hours of their death, is like fucking crazy. They just died. And now I am responsible for, you know, delivering this speech that is supposed to put into words my gratitude for being their child. Like, and then also I have to just, you know, go on with the rest. It's like, it's so fucking, I know that was so not the the major point of this, but for me that really like, I've rewatched that twice because it just, it hit me really fucking hard. Sorry. I can't communicate my thoughts that well right now, but I really fucking hit me really hard when she said that. I think it hit you hard for the obvious reason of having lived that experience and having to do it, but also for the reason of like the exact thing that she's talking about in terms of like, okay, I know I'm going to do this. Like that was, that was you. Like you got up there and you, you fucking did the thing. You know what I mean? Like you eulogized your mom in a way that like people couldn't fucking believe. And that, that exact thing of Kim talking about like, okay, I know exactly what needs to be done. And that's the thing that needs to be done. And I'm going to do it. And like, that's just it. Like that's exactly how you were in that moment. It's so crazy. It's like this this thing just takes over you. But you know what else I was thinking about? Sorry, this is so not the point of this. I just, it's so relevant to our experience with comments. Something I always say to you, and again, I'm, I know it is so different than the Kardashians. Please do not think that I'm comparing the two. But like, as we have talked about many times before, we got our first ever fucking ad deal the day we called hospice for my mom. Like it was happening at the exact same time. And remember right after she died, literally right after Shiva was over, like, first of all, formatting comments during Shiva, but then saying, okay, we're going to fucking do this. Like you had, you know, decided that you're not going to go to grad school. I had put off the second year and it was like all of my I, I honestly feel like, not that it was a distraction, not to say that I wasn't processing the grief, but I had this moment of like, okay, I got to fucking do this. And I don't know if part of that comes from like, you want to do it to make the, the person that just left you proud. I don't know if it's, it's you're channeling a lot of your energy into that. There's a, a lot of different reasons for that, but I don't really think about that time in our lives, honestly, Julie, because it's so, forget about being traumatic. Like it, it really feels like another life to me to think about like August, 2018. But when I think about that, do you remember the way that we kind of just like fucking ran with it after that? There are certain parts of that time that are like so ingrained in, in my head forever. Like I'll just, there are just certain aspects that I would just like, I, I couldn't forget if I tried. And then there are certain aspects of that time that are just, it's such a blur to me. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I definitely do not want to hijack this episode with that, but just to go back into this scene for a second, you know, obviously this whole thing is very funny in nature. It's the trio of Kim North and Scott, which is like as iconic as it gets. And just to see the playfulness, but really what I could not get over was just not only how much fun Kim was having, but letting herself have this kind of fun and just leaning more into her playful side, which isn't something she has always done. And that is prime example. Yes, of course, it's Scott being there, but also one of the ways in which motherhood has impacted her the most positively. Because as she says, like she gets such a joy out of knowing that her silliness is creating joy for her children. Yeah. the, the Who she is as a mom is just like all of the things that Kim said she would never do. Like case in point, and it's the most minor example, but like dancing on camera with North, like we have watched Kim swear up and down for seasons and seasons that she just will not dance. If there's a public thing, she's not dancing at it. She's not getting on a stage. She's not being filmed dancing. And then all of a sudden here's North into TikTok and Kim's doing the thing that she swore in her life she would never do. And it's just, you you really see that with Kim. And I actually have to say, I wonder, I, I, I can bring anything back to the Kim and Courtney fight, literally anything back. But I wonder if that is one of the areas of contention that Kim feels towards Courtney in the sense of, I saw somebody DM'd us and they were like, something that really annoys me about the way that Courtney talks about her work and family life balance is as if you can't do it both. Like even when she's talking about work, it's like, 
okay, but like really like it was fun in New York, but my priority is my kids. My priority is my husband. As if like you can't care about both of those things as if like, you know, there's, there's some sort of a shame around, around working. And I wonder if Kim who like puts so much into it being this for her kids and being a little bit more antithetical to how she would usually operate feels a little bit of resentment towards Courtney for almost like shaming her for feeling like she can care about both equally. Yeah. I am really curious to see if we get any of that because I have to imagine whether or not that is something that Kim voices. It is something that she thinks not even only from the angle that you're talking about, but also aside from like resentment or potentially feeling as though Courtney is shaming her, even from the flip side of like, I mean, it can be done if you just set your life up in a way that you can. And I don't mean to put that tone onto Kim, not that she would say it in that way or think it in that way, but just feeling as though she feels actually the opposite of resentful or shamed by Courtney, more so really confident in the systems she set up to be able to do it all. Knowing that like when you are in their position, if you want to do it all, technically you have the resources to be able to, you know what I mean? Right. And on the reverse of that is that we know that there's obviously a lot of shame that comes Courtney's way from the not working and the choosing to not make that a priority. And so, yes, it completely goes both ways, which has to be acknowledged. Yeah, I know we took a very serious turn with this scene, but like I was hysterically laughing watching them. Like this is one of the most fun I have had watching the Kardashians on my screen in a while. It was just this like Scott doing a prank and Kim and, and Scott having that conversation where Scott's like, you know, Chloe's going to be mad. I usually don't prank without her. And Kim says, you know, it's funny. I'm the new Courtney and Chloe with Chloe. And I'm also the new Chloe and Scott. Like I can really do it all. Like best line. I felt so seen by that. I just, I love when they acknowledge the duos and trios that exist in the eyes of the fans. And, in, and of course in their own lives, but really as like, you know, cemented in pop culture. You know what really cracked me up? It was so fucking Chris Jenner. It's not even funny. When Scott's on FaceTime with Annika or whatever her name is, like whatever they came up with for her. And he's trying to introduce her to Chris as if it's his new girlfriend. And she's like being shy, covering her face because she doesn't want Chris to realize it's her. And Chris is like, Scott, please don't pressure anybody. Like it was just so Chris and Scott. It's not even like, Scott, she doesn't have to. Please, it's so nice to meet you. But like, Scott, please don't make her feel uncomfortable. It's like, it's literally fucking Kim. I know. I love that. Oh, I love that. I mean, Listen, this this Kim and Milan scene, which like we will really get more into next week. One person I would not want to be is Danny. I just Mm-mm. the forgetting of the passport is like it's haunting me for forever. I would say. I mean, and and I didn't even realize it wasn't like she couldn't get on the plane because she forgot her passport, then had to turn back home to get it. She got on the plane and couldn't get off of it in Milan because she didn't have it. And they didn't know if they should send someone with a passport or if that would actually delay things because if she didn't get cleared in time or didn't get not cleared in time, they were going to have to turn her around and then the passport would be in route with her on the way back. I mean, talk about a stressful situation. And I was trying to like compare it to an example. It's so hard to do because obviously this is a circumstance I can confidently say none of us have been in. Like we just haven't been the creative directing the Dolce & Gabbana show and our stylist doesn't have their passport. But the feeling of going into a situation and initially being equipped with the comfort of having your like safety person there or safety thing there, and then that being ripped from you is a very scary one, no matter what you're doing. And you could feel she was really experiencing that. And I think additionally, as we talked about a million times, she has a lot of doubts in herself fashion-wise because of things that Connie has said to her in the past. And also, you know, her and Danny have a very collaborative relationship that I think in a lot of ways has allowed her to lean more into her style while still having a safety net. And as she says, I think in her confessional, you know, there's probably a reason that this happened with Danny because it forced her to lean more into that side. I I totally, it just watching her in the meeting with, with Stefano and, and, and Domenico, where she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I, 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 maybe I don't know. I'm like, Oh my God, Kim, you do know, you do know, like channel that confidence. But I I do agree. Like, I think it probably not having Danny there as that safety net was probably the thing that she needed in order to be like, okay, I, I actually can do this. And also I'm now showing the behind the scenes of me putting all of this together, me doing all of it without my safety net for people to see. Yeah. But I mean, this is like prime example of 
unconsenting exposure therapy, basically. Oh my God, no. I, 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 I wouldn't want to be Kim and I certainly wouldn't want to be Danny. And by the way, I wouldn't want to be Tracy. Like what a, what a stressful situation for her as well. It, I wouldn't want to be anyone involved. Right now, I got to become a stylist. <laughs> yeah, like it was just, it was a lot to to handle. And I think most people can relate to that frantic feeling of the day before you're getting on a flight and either not being able to find your license, your passport, whatever it is. And it's like that times a million. I just, I, wow. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add? Yeah, there's actually is. There's one minor thing that I want to mention that we didn't that we didn't say before. In that scene of Courtney and Travis where they're walking around the city, they go into Chachavacha and they're like making out in Chachavacha. I'm like, Benny Drama couldn't have written this parody. Like, I can't <laughs> even believe how much of a parody of yourselves you guys are that you are literally making out in Chachavacha. <laughs> no. But also like I, and there's just something like it's one thing to see them, you know, w- walking into, for example, Kim walking into the Condé Nast building on her way to do an interview, or them walking into the Today Show. But I don't know if I'm just walking down the street and I see Courtney and Travis holding hands, being followed by Hulu cameras. That's gonna take me out. Every time I walk into Chacha Macha, I do a quick Courtney and Travis scan because I just assume they're gonna be in there. I'm like, oh no, Courtney and Travis today. Okay, never mind. Well, boy, do we have a Hugh Jackman story for you guys on Tuesday. <laughs> Wolverine speed racer okay we love you guys thank you for listening thank you for letting us do this thank you for caring about this in the way that we do and uh, it's just really fun to be on this ride we love you guys we'll see you next week let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be meaning There's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.